Good morning, everybody. Today's passage we're about to dive into is one that has been misquoted, misused, and abused for centuries. People around the world have used these verses for the sake of justifying false doctrines and, worst of all, a false gospel. I pray that as we go through this, you would walk away with new clarity and conviction of what being a Christian actually means, and that you would walk away with a deeper love for the Lord and a deeper love for the world around us desiring that those who don't know the Lord would truly come to saving faith and that they would understand from day one these extremely important verses that give us true clarity on what being a Christian actually means. So every kid has an aspiration of some sort of what they want to be when they grow up. I can almost guarantee like the second that I said that, some memory of your childhood popped up of that one or maybe multiple professions you wanted to do. Usually, they're the jobs that, that have the most adventure. Maybe it's the jobs that, have, um, that help the most people. It's almost always something like an astronaut, a firefighter, police officer, a doctor, maybe even a, a professional athlete. But no kid is ever thinking, someday he's going to be a cop who instead of getting in a cop car is going to get in a fire truck. No kid is saying, I want to be an astronaut. I want to go to space, but oh, wait, hold on. I'm not going to go to space. I'm going to be a deep sea diver as an astronaut. No kid thinks that. They're thinking about going to space, right? And no kid imagines being a professional athlete that sits around all day and just just knits sweaters. Like that's, that's not what a professional athlete does. None of these make sense. When you imagine being a police officer... You're thinking about being in a police car. A firefighter, when you're thinking about a firefighter, you think about someone sliding down the pole to go and rescue someone that's in a burning building. And an astronaut, I know that you're thinking about landing on that planet somewhere far away so you can make your mark for the world. So when I was a kid, I was an oddball. When all my friends wanted to to do these high-profile jobs, I said I wanted to be a pastor. All I wanted to do was talk about Jesus. That's all I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was share his good news with people. And this desire was definitely confirmed in my heart in the fifth grade when the cutest girl in my class said she wanted to be a pastor's wife. From that point on, I really, really wanted to be a pastor. And as a kid, I I didn't fully understand what this meant, even though I really wanted to do it. But endgame, I had a general idea. I knew I wanted to share God's word. I knew that I wanted to help people understand the true gospel and knew that at the end of the day, I want to glorify God by living for him. So let's say I had this desire as a kid to be a pastor, got a job as a youth director, went through PI, then got a job as a pastor, but never was out in the world taking care of people. Was never trying to show the love of Christ by assisting those in need. Never took time to share the love of Christ by showing the love of Christ. What if all I did was talk? What if all I did was go into a room, write a lesson, and share it, and that's all I did, nothing else? I guarantee you, all of you would say, that's not being a pastor at all. That's the opposite of being a pastor, right? Because it's not just about words. It's about action as well. It's about getting out there, being in the world, loving people as Christ did. 
And by showing them the love of Christ, you're able to talk about the love of Christ. They go hand in hand. It would make no sense at all. It's the polar opposite. So this might sound crazy, that anyone would ever associate something so distinct with something, like I said, that's polar opposite. But as as we're about to read this passage, this does happen. People claim to be something when in fact they're not. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, let's come before you right now and want to thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time that we have to gather together, even though scattered, Lord, that we can still honor you and worship you in this time. I pray that as we dive into this passage in James, Lord, that you would speak through me. God, that you would remove me from the equation, Lord, that people would see you, that they would desire you more, they would want to honor you more, and God, that they would think through their lives and if they're truly living their life for you. Guys, love you and praise you and thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love this book. I love this book because the way James writes is just no holds barred. It's in your, faith, in your face truth that can be uncomfortable at times. It can be convicting. And is so drastically important to what we believe and how we live out being believers in Jesus. So up to this point, James has he's thrown some doozies at us already. He brought into play what it looks like for our faith to be tested. He brought into play this backwards idea of counting it joy when we go through trials. Then he keeps going by hammering us with this concept of not just hearing the word, but actually living it out. Flowing right into the sin of partiality. Pointing us back to showing no partiality and loving your neighbor as yourself. Which brings us to our passage today. That in my mind, this is one of the most convicting, straightforward truths that James throws down in this book. So go ahead, open up your Bibles to James 2, 14 through 26. Take time if you need to, pause this, go get your Bible. Hopefully you have it with you already. But get over to James 2, 14 through 26, and we're going to start at verse 14, which says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Like I said, I I love this book because he comes out guns blazing. He comes out full force. What good is it, my brothers? So right here, just as a reminder, this book is being written to believers. People who truly believe Jesus lived the perfect life, died on the cross and rose again for the sake of us broken sinners who deserve nothing. And through a repentance of sins and faith in Jesus, we inherit an eternal relationship with our creator. This is what true salvation looks like. Right here. Salvation that, that as Ephesians 2.9 says, is not by works so no one can boast. These verses in this whole section of scripture is not telling us how to be saved. I want to make that clear right here and right now. These verses in this whole section of scripture are not telling us how to be saved. What they reflect is what it looks like to live out being a Christian. But this section of scripture, even though written to believers, brings out what it means for the person who says they know Jesus, maybe think they're a true believer, 
but don't have the heart or desire to live it out. As we dig deeper into this, I, I want you to think through an analogy I came up with. One, is your car running smooth? Two, is your check engine light on? Or three, are you missing the engine entirely? Do you truly believe the good news of Jesus, have the heart and desire for good works, but don't always live it out? If so, this passage would be a check engine light reminder. Or do you claim to know Jesus, but don't have the heart, desire, or follow through in your life at all? This would mean you don't have an engine at all. And you need to evaluate if you truly believe the gospel to begin with. Which brings us to the second part of verse one. After what good is it, my brothers? He says, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? This is powerful. This is powerful because if we dissect these words and look carefully, James does not say a fellow brother. He says someone. I think this is profound because right out of the gate, he's making a bold statement. The statement that someone who says he has faith but doesn't act it out is not a brother. He's just someone. Can someone who believes in God but doesn't do what we're commanded to do truly say they are Christian? Can they truly say that they are Christian? While on the topic of what we're commanded to do, even before we get to James's answer, I think it's important we take a look at what Jesus said which is what James quotes in 2.8, and it's referencing Matthew 22.36-40, through 40, which says this, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So I want you to keep this in mind as we continue to go through this. As this, this is the basis for everything we're about to talk about. So we see in verse 14 the setup for the rest of the verses moving forward. What good is faith without works? Which brings us to verse 15 through 17. Verses 15 through 17. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. The imagery that he's using right here is, is powerful. It's powerful because he puts, he puts this in a real-world situation. He starts this off by not just saying, if someone is hungry. He takes it even closer to home by saying, a brother or sister, and then, and one of you. One of you. Which, as we've seen in, to this point, is referencing a brother or sister in Christ. The brother and sister that, we were, that they were just talking about saying, like, that you have a brother or sister that's hungry, that's in need. So we're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he goes to the you also referencing back to the believers. It's interesting. So if a brother and sister is in need and you just tell them, go, 
Be in peace. Be warmed and filled. And you stroll off. What good is that? It doesn't help him at all. So what that you said something nice to him? Who cares? If you don't actively help them, how are you showing them the love of Christ at all? The you in here, like I said, is important because in contrast to the first verse is talking about the someone who says he has faith but doesn't have works. Someone who says he knows Jesus but has no desire to serve others, to help with the temporal needs, the temporal needs. That person is not a true believer. But here, this is talking about a true believer who isn't living it out. The first one that we talked about, that someone, is a missing engine. They don't even have an engine in the car at all. And then the second section that we're talking about right now, the you in it, the reflection of talking to a true believer, this is talking about someone that really needs to check their heart and they need to check that check engine light. Asking the question, even though you believe and have the heart, are you living it out? Going back to what Jesus said in Matthew 22. He says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, these are the two greatest commands. It's a pretty, pretty big deal then, right? When you share the good news and someone comes to know the Lord... When they truly understand their need for a savior, repent of their sins and follow him, they need to, in the midst of that, understand what it means. And from the royal law in James 2.8 and what Jesus said in Matthew, we see it is loving the Lord and loving others. Interesting. Doing this is going to show the world the love of Christ and in turn a way to share the gospel, share the good news. We see all over scripture this played out. That's not simply about faith for someone who claims Christ, but practically showing Christ. Matthew 5.42 says this, Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Luke 3.11 says, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. And even looking back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 15.7-11 says, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, if any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry to the Lord against you and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely and your heart shall be not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. And the list just goes on. I mean, you can go through scripture all day long and find passages like this. Jesus never said, show people me by just talking to them. He never said that. 
It's actually the polar opposite. We've talked about polar opposites a lot. It's the polar opposite of what Jesus was telling, telling the people, talking to the people about. All over scripture, he's saying, show people me practically by helping them. Show the love of Christ by acting, not just speaking. In fact, Jesus himself called himself a servant. Not a philosopher with wise words only, but the servant king who practically in real ways showed his love. So why in the world would it ever be different for us? Why would it ever be different for us? Those who call ourselves followers of him. The word Christian means little Christ. So you can't call yourself a little Christ if you're not following his example. How could you ever connect yourself with Jesus if you're not actually doing what he commanded and living your life the way that he told us to? A great example of this is in Matthew 10, 7 through 8. It says, Proclaim and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Jesus is showing as he did over and over through his ministry the example of sharing the good news all while helping those in need. It's twofold. It's not just one or the other. And also in the midst of it, he's saying, don't get paid while doing it, right? It's about the heart. It's not about getting something in return. It's not about what you get from it. It's about honoring God and serving the Lord by doing this for the sake of him, for the sake of the growing kingdom, and for the sake of his glory. We should be caring for both, not just one or the other, when it comes to spiritual and physical. We should be caring about both of those things. Don't just walk around talking to people about it. Show them practically. And don't just practically show them it. Also talk about it. It's both things. This brings us into verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Again, that someone word. That person saying, you have faith and I have works. They cannot be considered a brother because it's not just by works either. Again, they're missing the engine. So we get two sides of the coin. The previous verses, it was faith without works. Now it's works without faith. I don't know how so many religions out there miss this. They base their whole belief system on works. But as James shows right here, it's neither about faith alone or works alone. It's showing your faith through works. Again, works is not what saves, but is a representation of someone who is saved. I will show you my faith by my works. This brings us into verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. So yeah, congratulations, you believe in God. So what? Might sound harsh, but so what? Because guess what? Even the demons believe and shudder. Talk about a punch to the gut for those who just believe and don't live it out. 
even the demons believe. This is literally putting people without works on the same level as the demons. That's intense. It's pretty intense to say the least. But he doesn't stop there. He really lights it up here. I can just see in my head as I, was, as I was thinking this through, as I was writing it, the passion as James was writing. I honestly wonder if he snapped the quill he was using to write this. He snapped it in half from the passion and just how frustrated he was even having to write this. He says in 20, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So, hey, hey, you, you foolish person. You want some examples? Is this not clicking for you yet? Okay, fine, I'll give you some examples. Abraham, Father Abraham that you hold so highly. Takes us into verse 21, which says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. So that was example one, Abraham. Abraham believed in God with his whole heart. But he lived it out. He truly lived it out. He was willing to sacrifice his own son for the sake of that faith. Which was living out his faith, faith in works. It says he was justified. To be justified means to be declared innocent as a result of Christ's imputed righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are justified or righteous by grace through faith. And we're to live out that righteousness. This work of salvation changes us from hearers to doers, as we heard previously in James already. And not only that, he was called a friend of God. When you're a friend with someone, it's, it's not one-sided. You do things for each other because you care about each other, right? That's what friendships are all about, is loving and caring about someone and then being able to help them one way or another, to reciprocate, to love them in the same way that you would like to be loved because you want to honor them. So he was, he was not saved by works. He was living out his faith through works. Then we go to example number two, which is Rahab, in verse 25. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Remember that old story you all talk about and quote all the time? About that woman who, who brought the messengers in? who trusted God and lived it out by protecting them and sending them out another way. The whole Bible from beginning to end is about Jesus. It's about the beautiful rescue plan to bring us back to him. But in the same breath is a guide to understand that we show the world his love. By acting, not just talking. 
Not just knowing, but living it out as these examples bring into play both Abraham and Rahab. Then we get to the last verse of this section that is the culmination of everything that was just talked about. Verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So I think it's important that we understand how severe what James is saying right here. The word dead is important. In the Greek, this word is nekros. Both times it's used here, it's the same word. And this word literally means corpse. So James, through all of this, comes to this final point. If you have faith and no works, you're a spiritual corpse. You're not alive spiritually. You don't have an engine. If you have faith without works, you have no desire to do works, have no desire to love the world as Jesus did, to love him and honor him in this way, you're not a true believer. You can't call yourself a Christian. You can't call yourself a little Christ. Which brings me back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Just like the police officer getting into the fire truck or the astronaut deep sea diving and how that makes no sense. Polar opposite of what they should be doing. So is someone who claims to know Jesus and has no desire to work for him and his glory. Now again, if, if we take this back to our analogy, the other side of the coin is, is truly believing having the heart, but not living it out. In that moment that you're not truly living it out, I would submit that you're not living your life as a believer the way you're supposed to. And need to see if that check engine light is on. It's all about the heart. It's really what it gets to in the end. There's no desire, there's no engine. If there is a desire but no action, you need to evaluate So as we close today, I want you to truly think this through. If you call yourself a Christian, are you actually living it out? Or do you just believe and hang out with your Christian friends, playing the part but not living the part? This is you. I, I want you to take what James says very seriously. If this is you, you are necros. You're dead and you're not a true Christian. I'm not trying to be harsh, but that's what this passage is saying. And I know it's intense, and I know it might be uncomfortable and be, might be hard to hear, but this is so important. This is so important that we hear this, that we understand this, and that we truly know what it is saying. Now, practically, I'm not saying that all day, every day, you have to wander the streets giving to the poor, feeding the hungry at every shelter you come across. If you are doing that, that's awesome. Don't stop. Keep doing it. But that's not what this is saying. But in an application standpoint, again, this is talking about a reflection of the heart. The desire and actually acting on helping when you can. The desire to serve the Lord and act on it. So think through different ways to do this. Maybe it's keeping a box of food, in your car for the homeless people you come across. I know a bunch of people that do that. It's cool. 
Maybe it's truly just remembering the love of Christ and how he showed it. Go through scripture. Dig into it. See what it has to say about this. Look at Jesus' entire ministry, and I promise in the first couple words through all of the books, you're going to see what Jesus did, how he did it, and what we are asked to do, what we are commanded to do as believers. So instead of wandering around with your head in the dirt, look up and see the opportunities in front of you. Loving your neighbor, living out being a friend, always having this in the back of your head, serving those in need when you can, showing the love of Christ by living out your faith, not just having faith. Take time to check your spiritual car this week. Is it running smooth? Is it like a Corvette just flying down the road? Everything's great. Is the check engine light on? Or are you missing the engine entirely? Let's pray. God, again, I just want to thank you for this time. I just want to thank you for this opportunity to... Uh, open your word and just to see what you have to say. God, I, I know this, this passage is intense and I pray, Lord, that um, you would really speak to people today. God, that you would really open their eyes to um, where they are at spiritually, God. Are they trying to live by works alone? Are they trying to live by faith alone? Or are they living out their life as a true believer, which is by faith and by works. We are saved by faith. Thank you so much, God, that we are saved by faith. But living out being a Christian is by works. So I thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. And I pray that you would just, uh, just convict us right now where we are at. And I pray that we would just desire more and more every day to honor you. And I pray if there's anyone listening to this right now that has come to the realization, Lord, that they don't have an engine, I pray right now that you would please, God, open their eyes, open their hearts to who you are for real, to the true gospel. Just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.